sticks in mud. Not only are they lazy, but they have no respect for the older generation who's made such sacrifices to give them their comfortable and self-indulgent lifestyle. Can I get a witness? Older people are married to the culture of the 60s and 70s. And they think that any attempt to be modern is an attack on them personally. You young people don't have a functioning brain to share among a lot of you, and you show no respect to your elders. Well, maybe if the elder people wanted to actually mentor us, we would listen, instead of you dictating to us. Young people in the church today, I mean, they're always looking for something new. They are in love with change. And, oh, it's all about their emotions. How does that make me feel? Where's your respect for the Word of God? Older people today care more about their dogma than about spreading the gospel. They just want to dictate from on high in their high castle rather and bind rules that the scripture hasn't bound. Young people are such a blessing in this church family. Their life, their enthusiasm, their energy... It's so invigorating to those of us who are older. The older members of this congregation have blessed me beyond measure with their love, their openness, their wisdom. I've, I've grown so much. Where would we be in this congregation without the creativity, the new ideas, the forward thinking, the thinking outside of the box, all that that the younger generation brings to the table. Where would we be without the examples of faithfulness and perseverance that we see in so many of our older members? You see, we can throw out negative stereotypes all we want. And there are so many things in this world that tend to divide people. Age is just one example, but there are many out there. And Satan is trying to divide us. But I have to be honest, in this congregation... I haven't experienced that stereotypical division. I haven't. We are so blessed in this church family to have unity. A unity of spirit that crosses beyond any barrier or dividing line. And as we come together for the final time in this building, not only do we praise God for that unity, we realize that how important it is that we maintain this unity going forward. We're embarking on a journey together in which we all need to be intent on the same spirit, the same unity. And it's that unity that the Apostle Paul talks about, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, where he virtually begs the Philippian church to have one mind, to put the needs of others ahead of their own, and to be intent on one purpose, and then to show them the kind of humility that this kind of lifestyle is going to require, he raises up before them the greatest example of humiliation, of humbling himself and self-sacrifice, and that's the example of our Lord Jesus, who emptied himself of divine glory in order to come to the earth and to save us by giving his life on the cross. This morning, let's focus on that unity, number one. The scripture that's behind us will now be read to us, and then we will enter into a time of worship.
Today's scripture reading will be Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's all join together in prayer by humbling ourselves by bowing our heads before our God. Let's pray. Our most holy God and Creator, it is such a blessing that we may be a part of your family, a family with one accord in Jesus. Truly this congregation is blessed beyond measure that we can assemble here as brothers and sisters, that we may worship you, that we may sing songs of praise to your name. Father, we ask that we continue to stand together in unity and fellowship to face the challenges that may come, that we may enjoy the pleasures of our fellowship with one another. Father, we thank you for the elders and others that have labored so diligently to organize the transition to another location. We thank you for our country that we live in, the freedom that we have to worship you in prayer and song without hindrance. We thank you for the men and women that stand ready to defend this freedom. May our country's leaders always look to you for their guidance. Father, we love you and know you. we are secure in your loving care. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, Paul says, and he's begging them, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. This, this passage has always struck me, as I'm sure it's struck most of you. It's a very famous passage, especially as we continue on. But it's also a key verse in the book of Philippians. You see, Paul, when he wrote this letter to the Philippian church, he had something in mind. He had certain 
things that he wanted to get across to the people. And you can tell what they are if you do a little bit of digging. You see, a lot of people, when they read the book of Philippians, they read it almost as if Paul is commending them because they've done nothing wrong. Right? We call them the Paul's sweetheart church, where he's just writing them a letter where he says, good job, I love you, and that's the end of the letter. But that's really a misunderstanding of what the book is about. You see, the Philippian church, they were dealing with certain issues, problems of unity. There were people fighting amongst each other. We find out in chapter 4, verse 2, that there were two women who were fighting amongst each other, and it had grown to the point where apparently it was a public issue, where even Paul, who had been off in prison, had heard about it. And so they were dealing with struggles with, and cracks showing up in the unity that they were sharing with one another. And that's why Paul continues with the same exhortation. He says, stop fighting, stop grumbling, start uniting. He's, and he says, be of the same mind, be united in the Spirit, intent on one purpose. That phrase, I think, is so important. Intent on one purpose. What does that mean? It means we're all looking in the same direction. We all have the same goal in mind. The image that comes to my mind is of a group of people standing in a circle. If they're all facing in the same direction and they start walking, they're going to stay a group. But if they all look off in different directions, if they all have a different finish line that they're looking toward and they start walking, then they're going to spread out and it's not going to be a group any longer. That's what it means. And that's what it takes in the church. We have to be intent on the same in the same direction, on the same purpose. We need to be looking together in the same direction. And this is so vital if we're going to accomplish anything. And on the other side of that coin, if we are this way, if we're focused and intent looking in the same direction, then we can accomplish so much. We can accomplish so much if we do this. This is a negative example, but think of the Tower of Babel. Everyone was intent on the same purpose there, and they were able to accomplish quite a bit. The problem is they were intent on the wrong purpose, which is why it's so vital in the church, in our congregation, in every congregation, that we make sure we're intent on the correct purpose, and we believe we are. But we need to be looking together and walking in the same direction. Paul continues in verse 3. He says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. That's a very hard and difficult thing to do, isn't it? It's our natural inclination to think about how, uh, to think about our own interests. It's our natural inclination. Maybe when this move was first announced, your first thought was how this affects you. And that's perfectly natural and understandable. But Paul and Christ call us to move and to grow beyond our natural inclinations. And instead of considering only our own personal interests, we are meant under Christ to consider the needs of others as more important. We're supposed to set aside all selfishness, all of those things uh, that, that would point, point back to ourselves and instead focus on the needs of others. And say, you know what? Their needs are more important than mine. If we all do this together again, 
we can accomplish so much. If we are together, intent on the same purpose, walking in the same direction, and we are all of us putting aside selfishness, putting aside all of the things that might point back to ourselves, if we're doing that, well, I praise God for the amazing opportunities that lie before us. And it's not any power of ourselves. It's Christ leading us. It's His Spirit guiding us. And He, he is in control. Now, the attitude that Paul wanted, as I've just described, he wanted the Philippian church to have this attitude. So he brought to mind the supreme example of selflessness. That is, Christ, who was willing to empty himself of divine glory, come to earth, and die on the cross. Now, that's the greatest example of selflessness I can think of. I'm sure it's the same for you. It's the greatest example of selflessness there is, which is why Paul brings him up as this supreme example. And we're going to be seeing that in the next few verses. But before we talk about that, let's sing a song about Christ's amazing selflessness. Let's sing a song together about how he was willing to empty himself, how he was willing to come to earth, and how he was willing to even die for us, putting aside all of his glory and dying in such a humiliating way. Let's sing together. Here in the power of Christ, we stand in Christ alone. Paul goes on to write, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And we know what he's going to say next, don't we? Because not only are we familiar with this passage, but we know the mind of Christ. We know the attitude that he's talking about here. The attitude of Jesus that is willing to sacrifice himself for others. To give up his own life for others. To take on flesh and live among us. To die on our behalf. And, and, and that's what we love about our Lord, isn't it? Isn't that, isn't that really what won your heart? The love of Jesus Christ as he gave himself on the cross for you, for me. That's what, that's what draws us to him. His willingness to give so willingly to put our interests ahead of himself. And Paul says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Jesus is the eternal creator of the universe. Jesus has existed throughout the ages. And yet he did not regard that reality about himself something to be held on to and grasped if, in fact, the relinquishing of that was required to bring about our salvation and to fulfill the eternal purposes of God. And so he is willing to let go of that. He's willing to empty himself of divine glory, to take up flesh. As we just sang, fullness of God in helpless babe. And so he took on flesh and dwelt among us. But when he came in the flesh, he didn't come in power. He didn't come with glory or might or strength. He didn't come with some great position that everyone would look up to him as some wonderful or marvelous leader. Not at all. He came without that. As Paul says, by taking the form of a servant being found in likeness of men. He came as one of us. He came without any kind of privilege 
without any kind of advantage. And as Paul makes so very clear, he came as a servant. He came as a bond slave, as one who would give his life serving others. And we see that in every moment of Jesus' life in ministry, how he is continually putting the needs of others ahead of his own and serving them. And that spirit of our Lord is seen most clearly in his supreme sacrifice, as Paul says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The humility of our Lord, the self-sacrifice of Jesus, eternal God, taking on flesh, emptying himself, entering a world of decay and being willing to die as a human being in the very world he created. And not just to die, but to die on the cross. It's the perfect example that Paul raises up in this letter to the Philippians where he says to them, and and obviously to us, have the same mind. Put the needs of other people ahead of yourselves. Don't be selfish. Don't do anything from selfishness or empty conceit. And he raises up this image of Jesus to us. I wonder sometimes how I can be proud. And yet... What problems I have at times with pride and with arrogance and selfishness and self-centeredness. But I, when I come back to the text of, and, and the reality of what Christ is, how can I be proud? How can any of us have any sense of self-importance when we consider what our Lord did for us? How can I ever get all upset about some slight that maybe you or some brother or sister in Christ has done against me when Jesus Christ has taken every sin of mine on his own flesh and into himself to bear it for me on the cross? And that's what Paul is reminding us of in this text. And he goes on to say, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, our Father. Because of His willingness to submit His own will to the Father's purpose, because of His willingness to give the sacrifice of His body to bring about our salvation, putting our interest ahead of His own, God has exalted Jesus Christ above everything, everything in the universe. And has given him a name above every other name. And calls for creation and every power, everything that exists, things that we don't even know about, things that we have never seen, powers we have never observed with our eyes, every power, every life, every being will fall down before Jesus Christ and confess with their tongues, every power, every person, Jesus is the Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And in acknowledging who Jesus is and the work of God, God himself, Paul says, will be glorified in that. It's through that sacrifice of Jesus and his willingness to give himself that you and I have become the family of God. Our unity 
It all goes back to the cross, doesn't it? Because it's through the blood of the cross shed by Jesus that we've been redeemed and our sins have been forgiven, allowing us to come into fellowship with God and each other. And and it's through that amazing good news of Jesus Christ that the Spirit of God has come to live within us so that we are tied together truly as the living body of Christ on earth, the family of God. And Paul urges us to maintain that unity And he tells us and the Philippians that the only way that we can maintain that unity is in the spirit and the mind and the attitude of Christ. And it's in that spirit that we come together every Lord's Day and especially today as we come to this table. We share in a spiritual meal that by faith connects us to those actual events that bring about our salvation, the death of Jesus Christ and His resurrection to life. We come together to participate in the body and the blood of Jesus, to thank God for what He's done for us in Christ, recognizing that though we receive these blessings individually, it makes us part of this community of faith and this family. And as we share this meal together today, may it not only be a sign of our unity, may it truly bring about unity among all believers here. And may it spur us on to be people who are intent on one purpose, who have the same mind, who put the needs of others ahead of our own because we follow a Lord who went to the cross for us. So let's come together at this time, together share as a family the Lord. Richard's and John's comments this morning, obviously a call for unity by the Lord's uh, body, that body that meets here. The memorial that we stand before or participate in now offers the greatest opportunity for unity of this body. As we partake of this memorial, which is God's gift to us for giving us atonement, righteousness before him through the sacrifice of that perfect sacrifice, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning, tens of thousands of the Lord's followers meet this first day of the week to partake of this memorial. And now, as we have that opportunity, we need to realize the importance the, the, of this gift and the significance of it. For without this gift, we have only death. And it's through our Lord and Savior's giving Himself for us, for our sins, we now can look forward to life over death. What we need to do this morning here as a body is we need to focus on this gift and realize that with this gift we were given a choice, life or death. And we need to concentrate, put all the things of this world aside so that we can focus on God's love that he allowed us to be his children and for us to be able to look to him as our God and Father. So now at this time,
Let's pray for this memorial for each of us, for the brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world as they partake of this memorial that we will be focused on and never take for granted the gift before us. Let us pray. Father, we come to you at this time giving thanks for this gift, your son's body that was given in our stead, Father. We're so thankful, Father, for this gift of life. We pray, Father, that now as we partake of your son's body, that we'll never forget how precious this gift is and that we will always strive to be an example to the world as your children, as you would have us to, Father, and that we will use every opportunity that you put before us to reach out to the lost. And, Father, to be a strength to one another. As there's things in this life that challenge each of us. And, Father, we pray that when that happens, that we have a a brother or sister to give us strength. And that we'll draw on your word, Father. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Most loving Heavenly Father, we continue to give thanks, Father, for your Son's blood as it was shed for us. Father, again, we love you. We love your Son. And we're so thankful for this gift of life. And for this cup that you've allowed us to partake of. In Jesus Christ's name we offer this prayer. Amen. Proverbs 3.9 tells us to honor the Lord with our wealth. Let's do that at this time, please. Our wonderful Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunities to make a living. We thank you for all of the opportunities you have given us to determine where we want to go in our life and the advantages of living in this country. Father, we look around us and there are so many people in this world that have not had the opportunities that we have, poverty that they live in. And Father, again, we thank you so much. We thank you for living in this country, being able to take care of our families. And Father, we thank you this morning for allowing us to meet here and to share our wealth with you. But Father, we realize that all the wealth that we have comes from you. So, Father, we say to you, thank you 
God, bless us. And Father, we love your Son, Jesus, so much. We love him, Father, and we realize the pain that he suffered on that cross for us. Thank you, Father. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. In some ways, today marks an end. And in other ways, today marks a beginning. But our purpose is unchanging. It's the same as it always was and always will be. To exalt Christ as Lord. To follow his example. To live as a one family united in one purpose, following him. Let's pray as each of us submits our own individual wills to the perfect will of God. That God will truly bind our hearts together with cords that can never be broken. And that we will exalt him in our words and in our life and in our unity. If you're not a part of the family of God, today we proclaim to you Jesus Christ and him crucified. The Lord of which we've spoken today, who emptied himself of divine glory and went to the cross for all of us, including you. If you've never come to him, you can come into this fellowship of forgiveness, reconciled to your God and creator through faith and baptism into Jesus Christ. And we would invite you to come at any time, but even today, come to him to make things right in your life. But as we sing this song together as a, as a family, may this song be both a prayer and a pledge that we give ourselves to one another and to the Lord and that we will live together speaking with one voice, intent on one purpose, living each day with the mind of Christ, that the Father may be glorified. And if there are any who need to come, we invite you. Let's stand together and sing this song together. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with love. There is only one God. There is only one King. There is only one body. That is why we can sing. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with love. Oh, be seated, please. I was asked to take a photo. (laughs) Scoot into the middle. I'm going to have to do a couple. Maybe if you'll be very patient with me, I'll actually do How about if I do a panorama? Can you just... Here we go. Okay. we got a panorama. Everybody be... Do not move. <laughs> I'm not very good at this. I realize that all of us are aware that we are 
at the end of our last Sunday morning worship in this building. One might say, what's the big deal? We know the Bible teaches us that the building is not the church, that the people are the church. But we realize that those of us who have worshipped here for many years have strong emotional feelings about this building. We possess fond memories of so many events that have occurred in this building. The many weddings, memorials, baby showers, and special religious programs are all a part of our memories. It's because of the many faithful Christian leaders and members of the past that we are now in a position to do greater things for the Lord's kingdom. God has blessed us with this property over the years, but it's time to move on because the best is yet to come. I think it would be appropriate for all of us to form a large circle, completely wall to wall around the first section of this auditorium, of the pews, and sing a closing hymn, and Brother Stan Clark will come to the mic and lead us in a closing prayer. If it's convenient for you to get up and form this group, would you do so now? Okay? As the song says, bind us together. <laughs> Gerald, you can't be in the center of things. Looks like we're there. <laughs> okay, he'll stop. Go ahead. you got to hold hands, Rod. Okay. <laughs> Love for each other. Come and give to the Savior. Yeah. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we feel so happy today that we have so many loved ones that have come back to worship with us at this time. We look forward to the times that we'll be together in heaven with you. And Father, help us to encourage each other, lift each other up, bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. We pray all this in Jesus' dear name. Amen. Amen.